The reading today is from Judges chapter 16, verses 4 to 22. And you can find that on page 259 in the Church Bibles. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength how, and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines bought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to Sam to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. 
he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again, after it had been shaved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Right, here we go. We're in uh, the book of Judges. An interesting verse to end on, but we won't stop at that verse, fortunately. We're in the last of the 12 Judges, and uh, I was thinking of having a quiz to see how many you could remember, but I'll put that to one side for now. Um, We're looking at Samson. It's a mini-series in Samson, um, like it was in Gideon. There's so much to um, take out of this part of the book that uh, I'm doing the third part. And we've done part one, obviously, with uh, John, who looked at uh, Samson before he was born and how he was set apart for a special role. We then looked at Samson and how he sort of didn't really fulfill the role in his um, majority of his life. Last week with Bart, we saw that God used him despite Samson's personality and Samson's agenda. And this morning, we're going to look at the end of Samson, where we see Samson's weakness turned to strength. Now, when I was at uh, Sunday school many years ago, the things we remembered about Samson was his hair and his strength. Now, here's somebody with some long hair and some strong views. No, it isn't me. It's a guy called David Crosby, who was, who is, sorry, he's still a a very famous rock musician, at least to me he's famous, he may not be to you, but he's a famous rock musician who was part of the hippie era in the late 1960s when people decided that they were going to drop out of mainstream society, they were going to follow a different set of values, they were going to form a counterculture that kicked against authority. And this went on for a while, and then towards the end of the decade, it all seemed to come apart, and people suddenly decided maybe they should conform to the rest of the world, they should um, get a smart suit and a tie and apply for a job and work in mainstream society. Now, David Crosby said, that's not for me. And he wrote a song, which I think is sort of quite appropriate. It was called, I Almost Cut My Hair. Almost Cut My Hair. He said, I must cut my hair, it happened the other day, it was kind of long and could be said it was in my way, but I didn't and I wonder why. I feel like letting my freak flag fly and I feel like I owe it to someone. So to David Crosby, his hair was like a flag. He was wearing his hair like a flag, it was like a banner saying this is who I am, this is what I stand for, I'm not compromising, I'm staying a hippie. 
and he was flying the flag. Now this morning, we see Samson allowing his flag to be taken down the flagpole. And if, a, if an army takes its flag down, it says, I surrender, I'm giving in. I'm coming over to you. I'm, I'm no longer fighting against you. And this is what happens at the start of this chapter that uh, Jonathan read to us. So let's look at Samson's surrender and let's start by praying. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, if you ever see an unattributed quote, there's two or three suspects. It's going to be Oscar Wilde, Groucho Marx, or Einstein. Um, now, it is said that Einstein defined insanity in the following way. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Now, I think Samson would agree with that because he believed he could do the same thing over and over again and get the same result. And two cases in point given to us by the writer of Judges, one in chapter 14 and in today's passage. I want to quickly show you the, the two events, very similar but very different results. I'm hoping this works. Oh, so we've got a repeated pattern of behavior but with a different outcome. Can you see that? Okay. So this is um, two different women. It's Mother's Day. That's not why we're doing this passage, by the way. Um, two different women in Samson's life, women of Timar and the woman of Sorek, Delilah. So we know from last week that there was a riddle involved with the, the first woman. In the second case, there's the secret of Samson's strength. Um, the Philistines want to know the answer to the riddle. The Philistines want to know what is Samson's strength. In the first case, they offer threats. In the second case, in today's passage, they offer financial reward. And Samson, in both cases, isn't going to give his um, secret up or the riddle up easily. And he gets um, incredibly pressured and he gets emotionally appealed to and he resists for a while and then he gives in and gives the secret away. He gives the answer to the riddle. In chapter 14, the Spirit of the Lord comes and allows Samson to fulfill his obligation of those fine clothes. In today's passage, the strength doesn't come to help him. The strength disappears. Something has happened. Same type of event, different outcome. So what is going on? Why does the Lord leave Samson now? It's quite a stark verse in the Bible to hear that being said of someone, the Lord left. Well, if you've been following the series, it's linked to the Nazarite vow that we heard about in the first part of the series on Samson, Samson chapter 13, when the vow was made before he was born and the vow had several things about it concerning behavior and appearance. And we've already seen that Samson broke some of the rules in his behavior in um, chapter 14, touching the deadline to get the honey and then giving it to his parents. 
and we believe that he went and got involved at his, his wedding in a massive drinking party. Again, two things that the vow said, you should not touch um, anything dead, it makes you unclean, you must get purified, and you mustn't drink alcohol. Samson's behavior has already started to move him away from his vow. So what is it about what happens in this chapter with his hair that is so significant? Throughout this book, in this section on Samson, we've seen Samson sort of resenting his mission. He's been given a mission. He doesn't really want to do it God's way. He wants to do it his way. And there's a, he's trying to move away as much as he can. And now he does something that is quite significant, majorly important. Okay. But he doesn't worry. He thinks that God is going to allow him to have his strength no matter what. He seems to think that he's got the strength and it's there at his personal disposal. It's something he's taken for granted. It's a gift from God. And he so far has broken his vow and nothing has happened to him. And now he thinks I can break it again and I'll still keep my strength. I can still do what I want to do. And this is, unfortunately, this is a gift of God being used for Samson's purposes, his own purposes, and it brings us back to the danger of success. He successfully used his strength for his purposes, and he thinks he can continue to do so. So, what is it about the hair? What is it about the hair that is so important? So, the hair is a sign of belonging to God, being set aside for something special, having a special relationship with God and being called on a specific mission. Okay? It's a clear outward sign of what should be happening inside Samson. Okay? And if he allows that hair to be taken away, he's saying something quite profound about his, his inner self and how he's relating to God. He's saying, I'm, I don't care about this anymore. I'm, I'm taking the flag and I'm taking it down. Okay? I'm not worried about this anymore. I can do it my way. It doesn't matter anymore. And so he allows Delilah to get closer and closer to the truth. In the four things that happen, I always I envisage the um, bowstrings, the, um, the rope, um, the hair in the loom, and then the hair itself. It's all sort of, I see Samson playing a game with her. He's getting... He's getting um, closer to the truth, and then at the end he mixes truth with fiction. He has been set aside for the Lord, but the hair in itself doesn't give him the power. He's, he's saying she wants a magic explanation. He's going to pander to that, he's going to do that, but he's also going to tell her everything about himself, how he's been set aside for the Lord, for his purposes. So he appeals to her view of magic. He says, well, if you do this, this is my kryptonite. This will make me weak three or four times and eventually it appears to Delilah that she's actually found the truth but it's not the hair that's magic it's the relationship with God and God has given him the power and Samson is about to lose it he is surrendered to the world and that's where the reading stopped this morning we're going to go on to the second part of the chapter if that's okay and look at chapter 16, verses 23 to 31. I'm not going to read it um, in full. I'm just going to sort of set the scene. Samson is um, now a captive. He's been taken by the Philistines. He's been blinded. 
He's been, um, he's been put to work in a dark place in a mill, and he has um, obviously had his head shaved. And he's about, in this passage we learn, he's either, he may have been taken up regularly to entertain people in the temple, or this is the first time. So Samson is um, blinded, and his physical sight is gone. Physical sight gone, I think he probably had time to reflect on what had happened. And the one thing I think he probably noticed, although he couldn't see, I think he noticed his hair was growing. And that was a symbol of his vow for life, to be set aside for the Lord. And his hair's coming back, and I, it's possible that acted as a, a symbol, a reminder of what he was supposed to do, how he's supposed to be faithful to God. So in, in this chapter, we see um, God and the pagan god Dagon, if you like, put against each other. What is important in this passage is Samson's, um, Samson's prayer. We've contrasted two um, actions in his life with different outcomes. We've got two prayers in this um, book, on, or this section on Samson, two different outcomes. If you can turn with me to um, chapter 15, verse 18, that would be helpful. So in chapter 15, verse 18, this is one of the few times we see Samson in this account talking to God, and it's after he's, he's had a major victory against the Philistines with, an, with the jawbone of an ass. And he says this, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? This prayer to God is not a pattern I would recommend. It's not a reverent prayer. It shows the tension between Samson and God. He is, he's done some work for God, and now he expects to have something done for him. So that's the prayer in chapter 15. Contrast the prayer after he spent time in the Philistine prison. Chapter 16, verses 28 to 30. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me, with one blow, revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then it says in verse 30, Samson also said, let me die with the Philistines. Very different prayer, very different attitude towards God in chapter 16 compared to the arrogance of the previous prayer. Samson is changing. So, what is interesting is the words he uses in his prayer. He addresses God as a sovereign God. In the first prayer, he was saying, I'm sort of semi-independent of you. I'm reluctant to work totally and acknowledge you totally in my life. Now, in chapter 16, that has changed. He, he uses words to show that God is his sovereign. God has control of his life. God gives him power. He can't take it for granted. He appeals to God. There is a bit of mixed emotion in there, but we'll leave that to one side. What is interesting is when John Shepherd came um, to deliver the first of this series, there was no cry from the people of Israel for God's help. 
This is where the cry is. The cry is in this chapter, not at the start of Samson's life, it's at the end. Samson symbolizes Israel, and he's crying out to God for help, for deliverance. The, the judge deliverer himself is crying out for help, and God answers his prayer. In his weakness came strength. So that is the last of the judges. Samson. As you know, we need to take something away from this. Um, and the first thing I want to do is remind you of what, um, what Bart was bringing out last week in his section. We should remember that although it's tempting to see the judges as heroes, it is God who is the hero. He works out his purposes through Samson, despite Samson's reluctance to... Um, to work fully with God, to work on his terms with God. So God is the hero, not Samson. What is also quite important is the, um, the sign, the outward sign. The hair, although it had no magic in itself, the hair made a statement. This hair was a, an outward sign of an inward state. And we have these as well. As Christians, Christ has given us two of these things that are outward signs of an inward state and we are to treat them with care and not to treat them like Samson did. Communion's coming soon, that is one of them. We should always approach the Lord's table carefully and reverently with an, with an inward faith expressed through the taking of communion. So always treat the signs of faith as things of importance. They're not uh, magic in themselves, but they are important to help us in our walk as Christians. Then a recurring theme we should use what we've been given by the Lord to produce spiritual fruit. And one of the things that's come out time and again as I've looked at these passages is pray for your leaders, please. Pray for your church leaders. Success can be dangerous. We saw it with Gideon. We've seen it with Samson. Okay. Church leaders um, can sometimes feel that, you know, I've got this gift. As long as I've got this gift, I'm okay. And sometimes I can use that gift in my way, well, in the Lord's way. And it's so easy to think, well, I've got this gift and that's all I need to worry about. Possession is not enough. We need to be growing in fruit, Christian fruit, for our lives. Not just looking at the gift and keeping it and saying, well, that's fine, I've got the gift. Look, we should be looking to grow as Christians, not just to have the gift. Look to produce fruit for the giver. And... Again, a theme that's come up before. We should seek as Christians in our calling to end well. When John Shepherd gave the first um, passage on Samson when he was about to be born, it was so full of potential. It seemed that they were going to receive a powerful deliverer. It started well, then it trailed off, but it ended well. It ended well enough for Samson to also get into the um, book of Hebrews in chapter 11, along with the other judges, to be shown of people that of being people of faith. God was using Samson. Samson, at the end of his life, acknowledged God and God used him mightily. His, his deliverer work came about at the end and his evidence of faith came about then. And he provided a platform for people like King Saul and King David to deal with the Philistines later. Now, I have to make a confession. When I was preparing this um, study, I kept thinking of James Bond. 
because um, Samson displays an incredible amount of James Bond, what I call James Bond behavior. And in fact, the, um, the chapter we have here in chapter 16 could be a, a plot for a James Bond film. In that film, he, sorry, in that film, in this passage, he, he starts, it's like the opening to a James Bond film where he breaks into the enemy's um, fort, gets what he needs, he escapes capture, and he does an amazing escape scene at the end, in this case, carrying a massive set of gates several miles away. Then in the middle of the passage, he's playing around, he's playing games with the enemy agents, and he, um, he's very James Bond in that sense. And at the end, he finds himself in the enemy's headquarters, which he destroys, and in... James Bond's case, he walks away unscathed. So I see a lot of James Bond behavior, a sort of lone agent working on his own terms. But strangely, of all the judges in Samson, I see the cross most clearly. This is really quite strange. One of the worst behaved judges, and yet he points to the cross. There are the others. I was going to quiz you earlier, but I've let you off. Samson, all the judges are not perfect, but Samson seems to be um, quite badly behaved, and yet he points to the cross most clearly. Of all the judges, he points most clearly. A couple of quotes from um, Tim Keller. We have in Samson more than any other judge the pattern of the victorious defeat. In many ways, Samson's end is a picture, a shadow of Jesus' death. Tracing it out allows us to grasp more deeply what the cross is about and to worship the one who died for us. Samson, last of the 12 judges. But it's not the end of judges. What's coming next? Find out next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the book of Judges and the way it challenges us so deeply, the way it shows you so clearly. It shows you as our Lord and in control. We thank you, Lord, for how Samson points us towards that first Easter um, in his death, but not in his behaviour. Help us, Lord, to learn from Samson's mistakes, but also to cling to the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.